Hello, listeners. Sam here. I am coming to you with a Christmas request. As you know, for the last few weeks, NPR podcast hosts have been asking their listeners to donate to their local member stations. That donation helps not just that station, but it trickles up and through the entire public radio system, and it keeps this show going. But here's the thing you may not know. This giving is also a competition. Our NPR overlords are keeping tabs on which show drives the most donations. And right now, this show, we are in fourth place. All I want for Christmas is for you to go to donate.npr.org slash Sam and give to keep public radio strong and to get those bragging rights. I want us to win so badly, I even brought out my saxophone to play in this request. Yes, that is me playing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You because all I want for Christmas is for us to win. Donate.npr.org slash Sam. Thank you. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, L.A. Times reporter Sonali Coley and producer of Broken Record, Justin Richmond. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend. My guests are already playing the air guitar in the studio. You can just feel the holiday vibes. Everyone is ready to just be on holiday, right? That's right, man. So yeah. ready. Yeah. Here were two great guests today, Sonali Coley, reporter covering education for the LA Times, and Justin Richmond, producer of a new podcast called Broken Record. What's that about? It's all about music, and it's hosted by Malcolm Gladwell, Rick, Heard of him. Ru- Rick Rubin, and uh, Bruce Edlam. Yeah. So you get to work on a regular basis with Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell. I went from working with you, Sam, all the time, too. <laughs> I forced you out. I got tired of me. So I'm so happy today because we're almost to holiday. We're almost to vacation time. And I am playing this song because it makes me think of vacation. It's called Island in the Sun by Weezer. The best song ever. I'm playing Weezer not just because this song gives me the holiday spirit, but also because, like, Weezer is having a year. They're having a great year. Right? Weezer's having a year? Okay, so I will tell you why they're having a year. Tell me. So they covered Toto's Africa this year. Turns out that song at the end of this year is the 10th most popular rock song of the year. The Weezer version of Africa? Yes. 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 And then also on top of all that, they had this really funny SNL skit all about Weezer on the show last weekend and it, and the whole scenario was this nice dinner party devolves into an almost fist fight because the people there are all arguing about whether Weezer is good or not or what's the best Weezer album. Why don't you grow the hell up? Listen to Ratitude. Listen to Pacific Daydream. <laughs> Pacific Daydream is not music, man. No offense, but burn in hell. You have Leslie Jones and Matt Damon like squaring off. Pork and beans is better than Buddy Holly. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're dumb. Oh, you're dumb. And after this skit aired, Weezer actually put uh, SNL t-shirts up on their website to sell merch off of this. Their lead singer, Rivers Cuomo, he tweeted his support for the skit. He wrote, quote, I'm actually crying. Ah. It was a funny skit. But then here's the thing. There's a twist. There's a twist. There's a twist. Rivers Cuomo was lying. He hadn't seen the skit. (laughs) 
Isn't that sad? How can he do that to us? In an interview with Rolling Stone, Cuomo said, I agree with the spirit of what I'm tweeting, but a lot of times it's not factually correct. Which is like all of us on Twitter. It's like the same as saying RTs are not endorsements. Like, I don't read the link. <laughs> Just, it's fine. But it's not an RT, it's a him <laughs> It's Well, I still like Islands in the Sun. And Weezer, I hope y'all are getting your paper, regardless. I'm sure they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on that note, let's talk about the drama of this week. I want us each to talk about our week of news in only three words. Justin, you're up first. Yeah, my three words. Why this now? Um, (laughs) Me every week. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Specifically, I'm referring to the first step. Act, which is the criminal justice reform bill. Yeah, which that, is like a big, 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 big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like an odd time. This They tried to get something similar to this, actually more comprehensive done when Obama was president. It couldn't get done. I, it just seems weird to me that this is when we're doing it in 2018. Oh, yeah. when we don't agree on anything and we've never agreed on this. And now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, we agree that this isn't a good thing. Is it because it's other great, stuff but... is so much getting so much more attention that they're just like, skirt, skirt, just like goes through. Yeah. I wonder, like, is that? That could be. I mean, definitely could be part of it because, like, if you think about in a life before news cycles went crazy, this kind of bill yeah. passing would be, be huge. A1 all week. Well, because it Mattis leaves. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's Russia The border stuff, wall. There's the border Russia. Wall. Yeah. And I mean, so, so, I mean, to back up and talk about what's in the bill, it actually does a lot. So it's a bipartisan bill that overhauls federal prisons. The goal is to reduce a recidivism. It provides more access to training programs for folks that are in prison to get them ready for life after release. It ends automatic life sentences under the three-strike law. It expands the safety valve that um, can allow judges to avoid imposing those mandatory minimum sentences. It's many issues that activists have been into for more than a decade. <laughs> and this seemed like a democratic issue for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had voices like Rand Paul on the right that were always behind it as well. But my big question with all of it is kind of like, yeah, like you said, why now? I don't think anyone's saying it's weird that it happens. I mean, it, no, uh, not at all. Right. I mean, folks are still happy it's happening, but it does seem weird to see it happen now, you know? But then also it is just like a first step, <laughs> a yeah. first act. And it's like yeah. there is, for instance, uh, the disparity in sentences that was happening between crack cocaine and powder cocaine that yeah. kind of went away in 2010. Now they're able to retroactively deal with this, which is like a great thing. Yeah. But also, if you got sent away in 88 for crack cocaine, you're an old person now, yeah. man. Like It is still, it's it is still of, disturbing. People's it, lives it, are just ruined. What does it mean, I think, and I don't have an answer for this. I'm asking both of you. Like, what does it mean when we see an issue like this one sail through Congress, it seems, while Every other part of Congress seems just log-jammed continuously. This is probably a, a sad response, but I, it confuses me. Yeah. That's, that's like, my entire reaction. <laughs> yeah, like we've disagreed on this for so long, Right, too. like, how wow. did this happen? How do we apply it to everything else? Right. Well, and Donald Trump, during the campaign, was the law yeah. and order president. Right. He still or, fancies or, himself I mean, that, so it's like, yeah. you know... You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests today, Sonali Kohli, a reporter covering education for the Los Angeles Times, and Justin Richmond, producer of the podcast Broken Record. Sonali, you have three words? I do have three words. Go ahead. Um, My three words are thank you, next, 
decided <laughs> not to sing them. I'm sorry. Well, now you're going to have to sing them. <laughs> I can't sing. Um, maybe later. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Ariana. Uh, it's the end of 2018. I think that a lot of people are thinking thank you next about a lot of things. I specifically. And we should say thank you next. At its core, it means, all right, that was good. That was whatever. On to the next one. Yeah. Or in the case of what I'm talking about, it means it's not good enough. (laughs) Do better. Yes. Yes. Um, And I am talking about a potential teacher strike in Los Angeles Unified School District. It's a big school district. It is the second biggest in the country um, after New York City, I think. Yeah. Um, So the teachers, the teachers union, um, United Teachers Los Angeles, has set after more than a year and a half of bargaining for a contract are saying, these are the things we need, and if we don't get it by January 10th, we're going to strike on that day. That Um, is very soon. That is very soon. That is the Thursday of the week that LAUSD comes back from winter break. What do they want? Like the, the, you know, red state wave of strikes and walkouts that we saw earlier this year. They want better pay. But also, they want smaller class sizes or classes with more than 40 kids in them. They want, (laughs) right, they want more nurses. There's a lot of schools that have a nurse only one or two days a week. Um, They want librarians. They want more mental health counselors for kids. And they want less testing, right? Um, yeah, they want less testing. And they, the union wants to have more control over yeah. um, testing. To me, I just think about the stress and anxiety I would be feeling if <laughs> my kid's teacher was going to go on strike. A lot of parents have been telling me that they feel a lot of stress and anxiety. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel solidarity with these parents. Is how I, feel. <laughs> I have two kids at home, and I lose my mind. <laughs> so, so, Imagine 40. 40 with one, you know, and you're, you're one person. Yeah. But the district says, like, okay— Agreed. Where is the money? Mm-hmm. We have all these obligations. We have to pay retirees. Uh, our enrollment is declining. Um, and the union says, like, well, you have a giant reserve. Use it. And so there's just this fundamental disagreement over whether or not there's money um, and how to use it. And that means that on January 10th, it's possible that half a million children. Half a million? Half a million. About 500,000 kids, wow. yeah. Will not be going... No, they'll, just... school will be open. Well, who has the kids? Right. So school will be open. Administrators will be... They're, like, being so assigned So Principal to Johnson will be in charge of the 40 kids <laughs> in like, the And, like, if they work if they work for, like, the central LAUSD, they're being kind of assigned to school. Oh. And they'll try to find other people, right? But then if you're a parent or a, even high school student, middle school students are thinking about this for themselves, they a lot of them say they want to support their teachers. And so they might not go to school. It is illegal to not go to school without a valid excuse. And striking is not a valid excuse. So you might be considered like truant. Um, They can't count these kids truant. Then again, who's going to take... Who's going to do that? Who's going to take role if you don't know... Principal Johnson. (laughs) Right. So it's, it's... And then just think about... The difference between this strike and the strikes that we saw in other places. And we should point out, too, like this year was full of teacher strikes across right. the country. There was what? West Virginia, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Kentucky, Colorado, Arizona, Washington, North Carolina had protests, not strikes. But like, yeah. it's, it's been a wave of teachers like so there fighting were, back. Yeah. So there were waves of either, it varied from like a unified sick day to strikes to walkouts or really different things that they call them. But, um, you know, it started with West, West Virginia. And a lot of these were statewide things because they're places in which there's not collective bargaining. Hmm. So they have to go to the state legislature and they say, have to pass the bill that says right, and say like, give us money. Um, um, 
But here, the strike starts at the at the district level. So, so this that's why of, this is a local one. In it's LA. a local one. However, LAUSD has almost double the students of the entire state of West Virginia. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, I think West Virginia has like 270,000 students. And again, like 500,000 would be affected in LAUSD. So this is going to be big if it happens. Yeah. So for And for me, if the union gets what they want, that would be a sign potentially to other unions in do it blue states yeah. that like maybe it works or it it might force greater involvement and, and, and like a solution yeah. for investment. You guys, I have three words. What are they? <laughs> Thanks for asking. You're welcome. <laughs> they are politically correct? Maybe. <laughs> so I am bringing up those three words and saying those three words because this week, uh, a new NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll asked the following question of Americans. Quote, do you favor the country becoming more politically correct? A majority, a slight majority said no. Um, there was a lot of conversation and buzz about that response and what it means for Democrats and the GOP as Congress and the House change hands next year. Uh, but there was also a bunch of conversation about how the phrase itself, politically correct, can mean a lot of different things. And that phrase is charged and people hear what they want to hear when they hear it. But that's kind of the question I'm asking going into 2019. Like, do we actually know what we want? Like, you have... A majority of Americans, 52%, saying they're against the country becoming more politically correct. But then, by a margin of millions in the midterms, more Americans cast votes for Democrats than the other party. And Democrats right now are most associated with what we think about when we think of the phrase politically correct. Right. Yeah. I bet, though, most people who were said they weren't in favor of political correctness, I'm sure most of them would agree we need discourse that's more civil. We need to respect people. Hopefully, I would imagine a majority, I would like to believe a majority of them believe that. But it seems like what a lot of people don't like is like there's a lack of conversation happening on both sides. Like if you say the wrong thing, you're shut down. Mm -hmm. It's also so coded. Right. The phrase itself is coded. coded. It applies to people often saying whatever they want and then for centuries not having been reprimanded because someone was offended by it because mm-hmm. they didn't know or nobody mm-hmm. told them. And now they're like, what do you mean yeah. you're offended? Nobody's ever been offended before. That's not true. They just yeah. didn't tell you. Yeah. I just, like, it puts Nancy Pelosi, incoming Speaker of the House, or thought to be in a really weird position. Like, can she focus on just policy or does she have to have those cultural, politically correct-ish conversations? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's why I'm not in Congress. That's hard. That's why. That's the (laughs) reason. All right, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Capital One. Here's Sarah Strauss, head of fraud at Capital One, on how the CreditWise app helps users take action after receiving one of its automatic credit alerts. It's not just an alert, but it's also here are the next steps that we recommend you do. And so hopefully that's giving our users the opportunity to feel empowered to go after the issue and resolve it. CreditWise is free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. You can find CreditWise in your app or Play Store now. 
Support for NPR and the following message come from Hinge. Hinge is the dating app that's great at one thing, setting you up on great dates. And they're not just saying that. On Hinge, three out of four first dates lead to second dates. They are the number one mobile-first dating app mentioned in the New York Times wedding section. So if you're looking for a BFF, a job, a pen pal, or a hookup, Hinge isn't the place for you. Hinge is exclusively designed to get you out on great dates. Download Hinge in the Apple Store or Google Play. This week on Ask Me Another, we hit the stage in sunny San Diego, California with American Idol alum Adam Lambert and skateboarding legend Tony Hawk. All this on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. Hey, listeners, before we get back to the show, I want to point your attention to another NPR podcast. Once you're done with this episode, go over to the NPR Code Switch podcast feed and check out one of their most recent episodes. It is set in my hometown of San Antonio, Texas. This really cool thing happened recently. A college course in San Antonio at the University of Texas, San Antonio, a professor there built an entire class all around the lessons contained in the Code Switch podcast. So my play cousins over at Code Switch went to go visit and hang out with the class and the professor. It's really cool. Code Switch meets college meets San Antonio. Check it out wherever you get your NPR Code Switch podcast. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here today with two guests, Justin Richmond, producer of the music podcast Broken Record, and Sonali Coley covering education for the L.A. Times. Do you both like music? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Does anyone absolutely. say no? I don't know. How could I you say no what? to that? <laughs> yes, I, I love music. I never heard my dad ever once sing. My dad sang maybe too much. <laughs> love anyway, I'm sure Pop's sang in the shower. You. <laughs> Anyways, I bring this up because the year is ending and it's a good time to think about the year in music and bring back a friend of the show, NPR music critic Ann Powers. You may have heard me talk with Ann a few months ago for a mid-year music check-in. And when we talked then, I kind of argued that pop music this year has been bad. Oh, you're wrong. I didn't get the whole SoundCloud music yeah, phenomenon. I wasn't into it. So I brought Ann back to check in again. And let's just say things have changed. Here's our chat. We go over stuff that we liked about music in 2018. And Ann looks forward to 2019. Ann Powers, hello. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm good. I am better than the last time we talked. We talked about, I don't know, five, six months ago about the state of music in 2018, and I was pretty sour on things. You were bummed out, man. You were in a dark place <laughs> around dark American place. popular music. Yes, and I'm that? happy to tell you that over the course of the last few months, I've had a turnaround. I get the youths. Uh, I found some bright spots in the music of the kids this year. <laughs> You've been playlisting out with the kids, huh? I really have. <laughs> and I will get into all of that because I have to eat crow a little bit as well. But uh, first, I want to just take some time to go through some of the music that you loved this year. What's up first? Well, the first thing I want to share is from an artist who I've been following for a while. His name is Troy Sivan. I got these beliefs that I think you want to break. He was a, a kid actor in Australia. He was a YouTuber. Before he broke through as a musician. But this year he put out Bloom, which is a full on pop masterpiece, in my opinion. It's Troy Savan 
telling his own story of coming of age as a young gay man, celebrating love and desire and sex and everything, all to beats you can dance to and melodies that will stick in your head. And we're playing a song from that album right now. It's called Seventeen. Boy becomes a man now, can tell a man to slow down. He'll just do whatever, do whatever he wants. I love how it's new music and a new voice, but just about every song I hear from him, it already sounds familiar. If that makes sense. Yes, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of young artists playing in the pop arena, they're benefiting from streaming culture. They're benefiting from the infinite accessibility of music of the past. Mm. And you really hear that mark on a lot of pop music now, which, oh, yeah. which I like, think is a good thing. Oh, totally. Like, I'm, I'm hearing so much of, like, 80s synth pop come back into the stratosphere, which I'm loving. And the thing that I found out this year, Anne, is that Fleetwood Mac is having a streaming resurgence. Um, people under 35, they've been streaming Fleetwood Mac, like, some 58% more than normal the last two or three years. There is no normal for a streaming Fleetwood Mac. Normal is constant streaming of Fleetwood Mac. The limit does not exist. <laughs> You know, I, I think that there was this general fear of the rise of streaming culture in music for a while. What's it going to do to the album, to record labels, to artists and how they make money? But I think we finally reached a place in 2018 where it's here and we get it. And there are some beautiful things coming out of it, like you just said. And actually, it kind of leads me to one of my picks for a song of my year. Sharp listeners will know that the last time we talked, Anne, you brought up an artist. I should know. Her name is Billie Eilish. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. who? Whatever. I don't know who that is. Whatever. <laughs> and can I tell you what happened to me over Thanksgiving break? <laughs> Please. I was home for Thanksgiving. And I just had Spotify on playing stuff, whatever. I think I was going to pick up some sweet tea for Thanksgiving dinner or something. And some random Spotify playlist started playing this haunting, beautiful song called When the Party's Over. And I literally pulled the car over. <laughs> Don't know I'm no good for you. And lo and behold, who is it? But Billie Eilish. I've learned to lose, you can't afford to. Who you told me to check out six months ago. (laughs) Exactly. See, you you lost six months of your life. You could have been listening to Billie Eilish because you didn't listen to me. But nothing ever stops you. Isn't this beautiful? I love it. I mean, 2018 was just an outstanding year for young women artists. I think the culture has reached this point where we want to hear young women's voices. We want to hear their truth, to use a corny term. And you see it all over the best of lists that have come out. NPR Music's best of list. actually, um, you have to get to like number 17 before you even uh, mm-hmm. see a dude's name. Yeah, fine with it. This is just what we want right now, and I couldn't be more excited. And so the beauty of, you know, playlist culture and the rise of Spotify and streaming is that 
I haven't been to a music store in years. I, Which is sad in some ways. Let's I be know, real. I know. And, like, I don't have time, I feel like, to look for new music. So, right. honestly, this year, I was just like, God bless Spotify. God bless streaming. Because it brought me something like this. <laughs> On this up note, what are you most looking for in music in 2019? I'm most excited right now about uh, an artist who I'm lucky enough to share Nashville with. Her name is Adia Victoria. And Hmm. uh, she released an an album in 2016, but she has a new one coming in early 2019. And Adia has just developed her voice in an amazing way. She is telling the story of what it means to be a young black Southern woman um, Mm. today by looking back on the blues tradition. But this is not your local beer bars blues. (laughs) This is not (laughs) respect to Joe Bonamassa, but this is not your PBS special blues. This is blues for now. So let's hear a song from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock, knock, knocking on my door. Mr. Bill Collector calling, but I don't answer no more. Dare I say there's a little rock sensibility in there as well. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely rock and roll. But she worked with Bryce Dessner of The National. Sorry. Oh. Aaron Dessner. Oh, you brothers, you always confuse me. She worked <laughs> with Aaron Dessner of The National on this record. He produced huh. it. Um, so it definitely fits in that indie rock thing. But she goes deep into the blues. Yeah. She goes deep into the supernatural, into the gothic, all in the service of telling her story and telling the story of Black Women 2018. I like it. It's fun. It's yeah. also deep. That's what I look for in everything. Fun, fun, and, fun deep. and deep. Fun and deep. At the same time. I'm tell, yeah. I'm going to tell you one thing that I'm looking forward to in 2019, um, and it is whatever songs Sway Lee chooses to write next. Now, Sway Lee is one half of Ray Shrummerd, but perhaps his yes. biggest hit was Formation, which he wrote with Beyonce, but he yes. also wrote a hit for Ray Shrummerd called Black Beatles, and he most recently awesome. wrote a song that made me like Post Malone. It's called Sunflower. <laughs> it's from the new Spider-Man soundtrack. Such a nice little bop. <laughs> Dude, you're just going through changes. I'm you going through going changes. Through serious changes. <laughs> Ann Powers, music critic for NPR. Go check out NPR Music's year in lists right now at NPR Music. Wherever you find NPR music. That's right. Thank you, Anne. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. See you in the new year. You're the sunflower. You're the sunflower. Every time I'm leaving. I guess, like, the big takeaway for me this year is, like, contrary to popular belief, the kids are all right. Yeah, the kids are great. The Spider-Man soundtrack, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, they're taking a lot of Xanax. I hope the kids are all right. <laughs> well, this is what Anne told me before, like, an underlying 
theme with the, the the music of young folks today and SoundCloud rap and music is that a lot of them, it's the first generation of youth making pop where a lot of them were on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, um, and they rap about it. And yeah. they sing about it. There's a rapper who got big this year named Little Xan, as in Little Xanax. Okay, but one would hope. These kids might also be, like, thinking and talking about their feelings more, which is... Which is good. Good. It's good for them. It's good for music. And they're just, like, they're all in their feelings, and their music is all in their feelings. It's great. All right, time for a break. When we come back, my favorite game, Who Said That? Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. Hey, y'all, Sam here once again asking for your money. Even a few dollars helps out your local public radio station, which in turn helps out this show. Give now at donate.npr.org slash Sam. Donate.npr.org slash Sam. Thank you. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests today, Sonali Kohli, a reporter covering education for the Los Angeles Times, and Justin Richmond, producer of the podcast Broken Record. It is time for Who Said That? Who said that? I love how you look around to see if the housewives are in the studio with this. This game, you know how it goes at this point. It's very simple. I share a quote from the week. You have to guess who said that or at least get the story I'm referring to. The winner gets nothing but bragging rights. Those are important to me. (laughs) I know. I know. Anyways, first quote. Ready? There's no buzzer. Just yell it out. Okay. It is, quote, obviously they're men. Me. (laughs) 2018. (laughs) (laughs) There was a big debate this week in some corners about whether some inanimate objects are women or men in terms of the holiday season. Oh, oh, reindeer. <laughs> Keep going. Rudolph. Elves. You can <laughs> eat it. You can eat it. Gingerbread. Yes. I don't know who got that one first. We said it at the same time. It's a tie. You both get a point. So glad to share that with you. Oh, it's okay. shaking hands, camaraderie. I love it. So this week, uh, Fox News contributor Tammy Bruce in a recent Fox News segment made the case that gingerbread cookies can only be men. After a series of, you know, living your entire life being kind of bullied into what you can and cannot say and presumptions right. that you're bad people, that it can be the smallest thing that tips you over the edge. That's a that's the tipping point. And in this case. It's, you know, calling gingerbread men a gingerbread person when obviously they're men. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, imagining, oh, I'm imagining, like, what? tipping over a little gingerbread cookie oh, and breaking it. <laughs> Why do we keep finding things to argue about? It's not even that good. Eat another cookie. <laughs> it's not. Oh so God. this became a topic of discussion because... Uh, Recently, a coffee shop in the Scottish Parliament chose to rename its gingerbread men cookies gingerbread people. Okay. I don't care. Santa Claus is white. White Santa. Megan Kelly. Shout out (laughs) Megan Kelly. You guys tied on that one. Well, yeah, it took a lot of tries. I really helped you out. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Next quote. Ready? No. This is funny. (laughs) Next quote. Check me rocking the top-knot ponytail vibes. And yes, I'm going to be blue. 
Will Smith. Yeah. What? Did you yes. hear this story? No. He's the genie. <laughs> so they're doing a reboot of Aladdin. Okay. In that reboot, uh, the live action reboot, Will Smith plays the genie. Okay. When they first put out teaser photos for the movie, Will Smith wasn't blue. He was just Will Smith colored. Sure. People were mad. Uh, people were mad. They were like, you can't be the genie and not be blue. So he hit back at the haters this week and in an Instagram comment said, yes, I'm going to be blue. Also, top knot, goatee, it's a lot going on. Oh Bro, you know Will Smith hit up the studios like, listen, I don't care how much it costs, you're going to make <laughs> me blue. <laughs> I do think the benefit of redoing some of these older classic movies is that you can take time now to address some of the cultural insensitivities in those movies. Like, some parts of Aladdin but will don't they? hold up well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't the know. The premise of Aladdin doesn't hold up well. What is the premise? Yeah, what exactly? is it? Don't You're like in a made-up land called Agrabah. Where are they? We don't know. It's fine. There's flying carpets. They wear questionable things. Everybody is just kind <laughs> of vaguely brown. the whole flying brown. carpet thing, I'm like, is that low-key racist? Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. We all watched it. Hey, you just blew my mind right now. I don't know. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, final quote. Please consider removing the dragons. May God bless you and help you to know the true meaning of Christmas. Um, oh, you know? The dra- I heard about knows. this. The people in the, that had the dragons in the yard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I, that's all I needed to say. Okay. That was it. I didn't even click on the story. I just saw someone it. in America. Oh, yeah. Do I get it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the answer is someone. <laughs> yes. Yay. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have even gotten that, so it's fine. I'm gonna read the quote again because it's bonkers, and I'll tell you all about it. Please consider removing the dragons. May God bless you and help you to know the true meaning of Christmas. That was a line in an anonymous note that a homeowner in Mandeville, Louisiana, got from a neighbor. The neighbor was mad that uh, this homeowner, Diana Rowland, that her decorations for Christmas in her front yard included several inflatable dragons wearing Christmas gear. That's fire, by the <laughs> Wait, way. Wait, I want I love her for that. I want yeah, that's the fire. <laughs> the rest of the note reads as follows. Your dragon display is only marginally acceptable at Halloween. Oh. It is totally inappropriate at Christmas. It makes your neighbors wonder if you are in a demonic cult. Oh. These are the dragons. I like that note Can I be in the cult? <laughs> oh, I love Look it. Look at that. That's tight. I, I, um, I mean, I don't ask, get it, but. Can we ask uh, her where she bought them? <laughs> so I can grab some. I'm, I would never do Diana that, but Rowland. I'm into it. <laughs> so the homeowner, Diana Rowland, she posted the note to Twitter. She called the anonymous note writer a, quote, judgy McJudgy face neighbor. Yeah, that's true. And she also says that she's added more dragons. Oh. Go! Get it! Get it! Get it! Get it! Oh. On that note, Justin, you're the top dragon today. You've won who wow. said that. Congratulations. Let me flex my non-existent muscles. <laughs> that concludes who said that. Justin, you won, but you get nothing. Yeah. All right, now it's time to end the show. As we do every week, we ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Hey, Sam and crew. The best thing to happen to me this week is upcoming in a few hours. I'm going to arrive to Nanning, one of the southernmost major cities in China before you reach the border of Vietnam as I ride through 100 countries for the next 10 to 15 years. So thank you for keeping uh, me informed with the goings-on of the Western world as I ride around the Eastern world. Hey Sam, this is Rachel from Columbus, Ohio. The best thing that's happened in my week is that after three and a half years apart, 
on three different continents. I'm finally going to be reunited with my family for our first Christmas together in seven years. The best part of my week was celebrating my five-year wedding anniversary with my husband and just enjoying the season together. I am officially going to be graduating with my master's degree. I was just accepted into medical school at my top choice. The best part of my week this week and my entire year was celebrating my son's first birthday. And Teo turning one means that my husband and I kept a human alive for one year and that's amazing. Hi Sam, this is Hallie. And Lance. The favorite part of our week actually was last Saturday on our son's eighth birthday. Yeah, Jackson is autistic and he has trouble with fine motor skills, but for the first time ever this year, he blew out his birthday candles all by himself. This awesome moment's gonna live with us for a little bit longer. Hi Sam, this is Jenna from Orlando, Florida. And the best thing that happened to me this week is that me and my cousin got to take my 101 year old grandfather on a cruise from Los Angeles to Fort Lauderdale. At this very moment, we are sailing from the Pacific to the Atlantic Ocean through the Panama Canal. And by the end of this trip, we'll have visited five countries, hiked through two rainforests, and seen a lot of sights that I will never forget. I hope your week was as great as mine. Thanks for all you do. Thanks. And I hope you have a happy holiday. Bye. Whoa. This gets me every time. I love these From people. one to 101. That's amazing. That's the only way you get me on a cruise, by the way, is when I'm 101. Right, right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> high seas until then. <laughs> Thanks to all the voices you heard there, Matt, Rachel, Danielle, Anya, Amir, Minnie, Hallie, and Lance, and Jenna. Listeners, we listen to all of these that come in. Keep them coming. Send me the sound of your voice with your best thing from your week. Email me at samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. With that, we're going to go out on Weezer and their song, Islands in the Sun. Uh, and congrats to Weezer for having a big 2018. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats to them and congrats to me and Sonali for being on the Follow JLo on your show. It's amazing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's referencing my previous interview with Jennifer Lopez. It's in your podcast feed, listeners, right before this episode. Uh, thanks to my guest, Sonali Coley, covering education for the LA Times, Justin Richmond, producer of the music podcast Broken Record. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Alex McCall. The show was engineered today by Josh Newell, and we had special help with production over the last few weeks from Danny Hajek. Uh, our editor is Jordana Hochman, and Steve Nelson is our director of programming. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for a very, very special holiday blessing. My chat with celebrity chef Samin Nosrat. <gasps> yes. How exciting! That's Samin Nosrat. You know her from her book and her Netflix show. Both are called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. She's one of the buzziest chefs in the biz right now. I got to hang out with her in L.A. recently. We spent two and a half hours together and cooked stuff. Oh my gosh. Big up Berkeley. It was what so up? fun. <laughs> All right. We also discussed our mutual love of Trader Joe's. Oh. It was a good chat. Check for it Tuesday, Christmas Day. My gift to all of you. All right, until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Sam Sanders.